Weddings ish, 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 with Jove. Thanks so much for tuning in to Weddings Ish with Jove. This episode, we're going to talk all about wedding traditions, where they come from, what they mean, and why we're still doing them. We're also going to gab a little bit about the Real Housewives. And I sit down with the co-founder of Yes Way, Rosé, and talk all about Rosé. All right, here we go. Weddings Ish. Wedding tradition is such an interesting thing. Do you ever wonder why you cut a cake? Why the bride stands on the left? Why there are bridesmaids? What the something borrowed, something blue? Where all of these traditions come from? Well, we're going to chat about a little, a few of them, go over sort of the history, why people started doing them, and why people still do them. But I'd also like to take an opportunity to say that it's 2016, you're a modern couple, Times have totally changed, so don't feel held to any of these traditions. As couples, whether you're straight or gay, create your own traditions. Do what feels right to you. Do what makes you happy, what makes your family happy. You don't have to follow the tradition of weddings just because everyone else has done them. Do it because it matters to you. That being said, there are some really interesting ones out there, so let's get started in talking about some of them. Weddings-ish! Tying the knot. Let's tie the knot. Hey, they tied the knot. Where does this term, tying the knot, come from? So, this term actually comes from the Renaissance era, from a tradition where the bride and groom would actually tie rope around their hands in a tradition called hand fasting. Um, And essentially, hand fasting is a ceremony that's a way that shows the witnesses and the guests the union of two people. So their hands are joined and the rope is tied around them, not in a sexual way, but in a beautiful romantic way. And they're actually tying a knot together in front of their friends, in front of their family. And that knot, that tying of that knot shows their commitment. So that tying the knot from then is now still applicable today. And even the hand fasting ceremony, some couples still include that in their wedding. It's not necessarily tied to any particular religion, but it's a beautiful way to sort of show the expression of intention of love and commitment in an act in front of friends and family as opposed to just using words. Weddings-ish! Diamonds! Why are diamond engagement rings the traditional ring of choice? Well, looking back to the medieval times, grooms would often pay for the bride's hand in marriage, and precious stones were often included as part of the payment as a symbol of his intent to marry her. So essentially, he'd be buying the bride with money and precious stones such as diamonds. And while this practice eventually stopped, sort of the purchasing of the bride, the dowry, uh, the gift of precious stones as a symbolism of intent definitely continues today. And for some reason, people love diamonds. Uh, And, you know, there's a lot of different reasons surrounding that. But more and more couples are also choosing precious gems um, or conflict-free diamonds. But that's why diamond engagement rings are a thing. Weddings-ish! Bridal showers. So why do we have them? Actually, the reason bridal showers happened. It started in Holland, and it was a way for the bride to actually collect all the things that she needed in her life so she didn't marry a man for his dowry. 
kind of really empowering if you think about it and like pro-feminism that all of her female friends would gather together and give her everything that she needed uh, to allow her to have the necessary dowry to marry whatever man she chooses instead of only being able to marry a man based on money. Nowadays, it's just a lot of fun, right? You drink, you eat, you wear a cute little outfit, and you play games. There's all kinds of games that people play. You make the wedding dress out of toilet paper. Um, There's a lot of fun things that happen, and you open up your gifts in front of all of your guests. But it's really interesting to know that this dates all the way back to Holland, um, and it was for brides who refused dowry from their fathers who wanted to be independent and strong, you know, a Beyonce bride. So more power to you. Weddings-ish! The bachelor party. So the bachelor party, also known as a stag party or a bachelor dinner or by many other names, like many other wedding traditions, this is one that has stood the test of time. It first came about in the 5th century in Sparta, where military comrades would feast and toast one another on the eve of their friend's wedding. It was a way for sort of the men to celebrate their friend's soon-to-be marriage. Today, it's sort of very similar, but also there's a lot of other things that come along with it. Um, I think more modern grooms think of it as their last taste of freedom, and it's a little bit more risque today than it was back then. Then it was dinner and a good time. Now sometimes there's a stripper, there is, you know, all kinds of crazy drinking and drinking games, but essentially it's a beautiful tradition where the men gather together and sort of celebrate closely um, the marriage that is pending. I think it's a great one. Weddings-ish! Something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue, and a silver sixpence in her shoe is the actual true statement from the Victorian times. Most people these days just know something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue. Uh, But the original one is the first one that I said with the sixpence. And the sixpence is essentially a way to sort of wish wealth upon the bride uh, on her wedding day. So a silver sixpence is in her shoe is the way to give wealth to her and her family in the future. But what about something old, new, borrowed, and blue? We've all heard it before, but what does it mean? So something old represents the bride's past, something new represents the couple's happy future, And the bride is supposed to get her something borrowed from someone who is currently happily married in the hope that some of that person's good marriage juju will rub off on her marriage. And something blue denotes fidelity and love. Weddings-ish! Not seeing each other before the ceremony. Do you ever wonder why you have to be a lady or man in waiting on your big day? I mean, you see your fiancé if you live together every day, and then suddenly the day of your wedding, you hide and there's absolutely no seeing one another until you walk down the aisle. Well, that superstition dates way back to the time of arranged marriages, when people, believe it or not, would see each other for the very first time on their wedding day. Um, So, It was sort of more of a logical thing, like if you don't allow these arranged marriage couples to see one another ahead of time, then they really couldn't say no or change their mind. Uh, They walk down the aisle, they see their betrothed, their arranged marriage continues. Today, I think most couples are seeing each other before the wedding ceremony, and in fact, I'm a big fan of what is called a first look, which is where the couple sees each other 
after getting ready in a really special moment, just the two of them, the photographer, the videographer, and you set a scene where they see each other for the very first time, and that moment is captured on camera. It's captured on film so that you have that to treasure forever. And then that way, you can do all of your photos ahead of the ceremony, and you can do all of your photos ahead of cocktail hour so you can enjoy the time you have with your guests. But if you're super old school and you don't want to see each other before the ceremony, just know that that means all of your photos are going to happen during what most consider the best part of the wedding, cocktail hour. So you will not be at your cocktail hour. You'll be doing your portraits, your wedding party photos, and your family photos. So an alternate way to do all of the fun things that happen at cocktail hour Uh, and get all your beautiful photos, is to do the first look. See each other, capture it on film. And couples always ask me, well, Jove, seeing each other for that first time, doesn't that make it different, less special when we walk down the aisle and see each other that way? And to be honest, having planned over 200 weddings, there's never been a moment where the couple sees each other for the first time coming down the aisle for the ceremony, that it wasn't emotional, that it didn't feel special. There's something about the energy and the presence of all of your friends and family and loved one in a room and you processing to your you know, love, your husband, your wife, and them seeing you and you seeing them and the music and the flowers and the candles, nothing can take that away. So I say, do a first look. Capture it on film and enjoy your wedding. Enjoy your cocktail hour. And if you want to wear something borrowed, something blue, do it. Weddings-ish. The bouquet. Why do brides carry flowers down the aisle? Stunning dress, beautiful flowers. Where did that come from? Well, the bouquet actually originated as a way to sort of give good luck and good vibes and good feelings to the bride as she walked down the aisle. So especially herbs, not flowers, thistle, heather, garlic. These were some of the original items that went into a bouquet. And these are the reasons why. If a bride carried sage, she'd get wisdom. If she carried dill, she'd get lust. Um, And so each of the different sort of flowers or herbs meant something. Orange blossoms meant happiness and fertility. Ivy means fidelity. And lilies mean purity. So really it was sort of a way to wish the bride good luck and send good vibes and good energy as she walks down the aisle. But now it's absolutely totally up to you. You're marrying the person of your dreams, so you don't need the luck and all the fruits and vegetables to give you symbolism. Pick what makes you happy. Pick the flowers you love. Pick the flowers that smell the best. And pick what's going to make you smile. Don't worry about lust or fertility or fidelity. Just worry about having a great time and looking great. Weddings-ish! So why does the bride stand on the left side? Well, traditionally, uh, it's because grooms in the Anglo-Saxon England time would often defend their bride, right? As a man, you're there to protect and defend. 
honor and defend her. Uh, So she would stand on the left side so that his sword arm would be free in case he needed to defend her honor uh, for any reason. So that's where that tradition comes from. I always suggest couples stand on the side that is most fitting to them. So if you feel like you like one side of your face better than the other for pictures or for whatever reason, then stand so that side faces outwards. Weddings-ish! The wedding veil. Why do brides wear it? Well, traditionally, it was a sign of purity, and a bride would wear it all the way down the aisle, all the way through the ceremony, and either the bride's father lifts the veil, and that moment is the bride's father giving the bride to the groom, and their kiss, as tradition holds it, is the first time they've really had that kind of relationship, and it symbolizes the groom's right to enter into conjugal relations with his bride. So basically, this is super old school. At that time, sex before marriage was absolutely not prohibited, not possible. I think most modern couples live with their fiancé before they get married. They've definitely had sex before they get married. So this is one that I think is a little bit more pretty than practical, But that's essentially why you'd wear a veil, um, as your way to symbolize offering your purity and yourself to your groom publicly. Weddings-ish! The wedding cake. Well, the wedding cake has been around for a long time, but just in various forms. In Roman times, the custom was for the groom to break the cake over the bride's head, noting it wasn't actually cake, more of a bread. Cake wasn't actually around at that time. But essentially, what that did was symbolize the end of the bride's virginal state and ensure fertility. It also asserted the husband's dominance in the relationship, that he was the powerful one. So that's interesting. Um, And then as you moved forward, when cake was created, they started using white icing, and the white was for purity, to sort of show the purity of the bride. Um, And also, fertility was a big connection with the cake. So originally, brides would cut the cake themselves and serve it to all of the guests themselves, um, and it was sort of the bride's way of showing and giving love at the ceremony um, and sort of ensuring her fertility by sort of giving away this cake to all of the guests. More modern couples will cut a cake together and it will show their uh, strength as a couple. It will show their continuity of their relationship. Uh, It will show them supporting one another. It's really symbolic and beautiful. And then, of course, once the cake is cut, Uh, The groom traditionally feeds the bride, and then the bride feeds the groom. Some couples feed each other at the same time, and other couples just smash cake in each other's face. And I would say more and more couples that I know are actually doing without a wedding cake, and they're just doing sort of their favorite dessert, whether it's cookies, cupcakes, cake pops, ice cream sandwiches, ice cream. I mean, cakes are incredible, and they've been a part of weddings for centuries, But it doesn't have to be that way. If you don't love cake and you don't love being the center of attention and you don't want to cut something in front of everyone, then don't do it. Do something that you love. Do something that feels right to you. And if you do love cake, then go for it. Just be clear as to whether or not you're going to feed each other or smash cake into each other's face because your bride, if if you have a bride, uh, has spent hours on that hair and makeup, and if you cover her face with cake, it will not be cute, and she will likely be mad at you. Weddings-ish! 
Honeymoon. So where does that word come from? Well, ancient Norse bridal couples would actually go into hiding after their wedding. And they'd go into hiding for 30 days, or the cycle of one moon. And while they were in hiding, a family member would bring them a cup of honey wine. So honey wine for one moon gets you honeymoon. Now, modern couples don't go into hiding. They take it as an opportunity to travel somewhere really fabulous and unplug and be together and celebrate their love and their relationship without anyone else there and without any work and any noise and just sort of relax, drink wine or whatever they want to do in a beautiful, beautiful location. Weddings-ish! So I hope you enjoyed learning about wedding traditions, their origin, their history, and their meaning, and take some time to think about what matters most to you and your fiancé. While you don't have to incorporate all of those things in a wedding, you can choose some of them because they're fun, because they're traditional, but mostly pick what's meaningful to you. And whether that's something that comes uh, from tradition of your family, your religion, your cultural background, do what feels right. Do what makes you happy and always have a great time. Anyways, I hope you enjoyed it. There's so many wild and crazy things uh, that happen at a wedding. Most important is to celebrate your love with your loved one in a great way. Weddings-ish! Oh, the good old real housewives. Not gonna lie, I'm obsessed. I love me some housewives, especially Beverly Hills, Orange County, and New York. I think those are my top three. I can't really watch Atlanta. It's a little too ghetto for me. And New Jersey's just scary. I mean prison. It's just too real. It's like a little more than I can handle. So those are my top three. But I have to admit that I I have been watching The Real Housewives of Potomac. I wanted to like it. I wanted a new Housewives franchise to get into. But to be honest, it's just quite boring. I mean, these women pretend to live this life of leisure, darling. And it's all about manners and etiquette in Potomac. But for me, it feels forced. It doesn't feel authentic. And it's a little bit basic. Um, they're all pretending to be someone they're not, which I guess maybe you could say is reality TV in general. But for me, I'm just not really into Potomac. Sorry about it. I tried. Back to Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, however. This season is finally starting to steam up. I love the new housewife, Erica Girardi. She is my girl. I love her. I feel like we would be best friends. She just says it like it is. She has no reason to say anything else but the truth. And she's fierce and fabulous. And I love her gay squad that follows her wherever she goes. I mean, she flew her people to Dubai to make her up while she was there. I mean, that's like next level rich. She is a rich bitch, and I love her. As a performer, as an artist, as a wife, she kills it every single time. This season, though, I'm a little bit, I don't want to say bored, but I feel so bad for Yolanda. So there's all this buzz swarming about her and her Lyme disease, and essentially it feels like they're trying to make this entire season about her illness, which they did on the last season of The Real Housewives of Orange County. It was all about, does Brooks have cancer or does Brooks not have cancer? That season of Real Housewives of Orange County was their most popular, most watched, best rated season to date. And I think that they're trying to duplicate that here, 
but it's just not the same. A man that no one really liked, um, Brooks and the Real Housewives of Orange County, you know, lying about having cancer after having many other weird things over the years on the show, no one really liked him. So that just sort of amplified it. And cancer is such a personal thing, and to lie about it just further proved what an asshole he really is and what a jerk he was and how uh, he really didn't belong or he wasn't really part of it. But Yolanda's Lyme disease, I feel like, is very different. She's clearly not lying about having Lyme disease. And the fact that Lisa Renna just can't get over it, calling it Munchausen syndrome, saying I'm not sure she has it, and all these women sort of speculating over a disease... To me, it's just not cute. And maybe one or two episodes of this would have been fine, but it's been almost the whole season, which culminated in the most recent episode where Yolanda was honored um, at a Lyme disease event where her daughter Gigi introduced her in tears and talked about her battle and how hard it's been. And for me, I just feel like disease and personal illness is something you just don't mess with. You just don't bring drama around something like that especially something that is so sad and heartbreaking. And many people suffer from Lyme disease. And I'm excited that she's bringing it to the spotlight and that she's sharing her journey and her battle and bringing more public awareness to it. But I just feel like The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills needs to move on because I'm done with it. I don't want to hear about it anymore. Um, I do want to hear about the divorce of David and Yolanda, of course. I'm in the business of marriage, but sometimes it goes wrong and it doesn't work out. And it seems like they're both being very cordial online, but I wonder how intimately tied that ending of that relationship was to her disease um, as opposed to anything else. doesn't seem to be anything scandalous. There isn't any word of an affair or cheating, Um but being with someone who has a medical illness is challenging, um, and it really shows the true commitment of a person. Uh, speaking of the Beverly Hills housewives, uh, word on the street is is that they are going to be axing some housewives and hiring some new ones. Word on the street, according to Radar Online, is that Catherine Edwards, the one with the hearing problem, the one married to um, an athlete, and the one that's sort of, I don't know, she's kind of maybe Brandy Glanville's replacement. She's sort of loud, sassy, says what she wants. I don't know. She doesn't do anything for me, and I'm sort of happy to see her go. So she's on the chopping block, and there's also talk of getting rid of Kim Richards and her sister Kyle, which to me is crazy because they started it all. And to cut both of them, I think would be so sad. But this season without Kyle... This season without Kyle's sister, Kim, has been really weird, but she's getting the help she needs. You know, she's an addict and she's in treatment and that's what matters most. But I think America would like to see her back on, to watch her recovery, to see her happy, to see her functional, to see her in life and maybe in love, I think would be a great way to sort of close the loop before they cut both of the sisters out of the show that they really started. I mean, them and Lisa Vanderpump are the only originals from the beginning. Everyone else is sort of brought in on a rotating, um, you know, they cut and they add and they cut and they add. But anyways, we'll see what happens for the rest of the season. Dubai looked stupidly amazing. That hotel was luxury. I mean, how do I get there? Who do I have to date to be going to hotels that are 40 grand a night? Um, I'm also really excited. April 6th, uh, the premiere of The Real Housewives of New York. 
Uh, we have some of our favorites. Um, Bethany Frankel is returning, and there's lots of drama surrounding her being the highest paid housewife in the history of the franchise. And, you know, she was back last season, and it was all about Bethany. Um, and now I don't think it's going to change. But to be very honest, I love me some Bethany. She's frank. She's aggressive. She says what she means. She means what she says. And she's a lady who gets shit done. I feel like she's my spirit housewife, her and Lisa Vanderpump. I feel like I'm a perfect blend of the two, but I love them both for such different ways. Lisa Vanderpump lives this beautiful, elegant life, and Bethany Frankel is a hustler, and she's killing it, and she's doing her, and she doesn't take any BS from anyone. They are going to come back with the same exact cast of last season, Plus, they're introducing a brand new girl, Juliana Weinstein, or Jules, as uh, they featured for her for the first time in the trailer. So we'll see what her story is. But of course, we'll have Ramona, Sonia, Dorinda, Luann, Carol, and Bethany. So we will take a look at that on April 6th. And of course, keep you updated on all of our housewives' thoughts. Weddings-ish! I am super excited to be sitting here sipping rosé with the co-founder of Yes Way Rosé, Erica Blumenthal. Hi, Joe. How are you? I'm great, thank you. Good, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for coming over. Of course, and providing me with this delicious rosé. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Um, so we met at your sister's wedding. Your sister was married, is it two years ago? Um, May the 4th. Coming up will be two years. That's crazy. At the Green Building. Mm-hmm. Um, what a beautiful wedding. It was a really special day. She did it all right. I mean, the flowers, the food. She had Roberta's, if I remember. Yes. And she did birch for yes. flowers. It was pretty magical. Yeah. I'll put some pictures on the blog, com slash podcast um, of the wedding because it was so pretty and we can relive that memory. <laughs> so you are the co-founder of Yes Way Rosé. Yes. Uh, which I'm obsessed with. I'm obsessed with Rosé. I'm obsessed with you. I'm obsessed with the company. But for those who don't know, what is Yes Way Rosé? Well, Yes Way Rosé um, is something I started with my best friend, Nikki. Mm-hmm. Um, and we fell in love with Rosé and really found that it was a a transportive experience. It was much more than how we felt about having a glass of white wine or red mm-hmm. wine. And we just really fell in love with Rosé and started coming up with all these jokes about it uh-huh. and cracking each other up. and dis- While drinking Rosé. While drinking Rosé. <laughs> and decided to filter all of that fun into an Instagram account. Okay. And we called it Yes Way Rosé. Okay. And my background is in fashion. Nikki's is in um, graphic design and art direction. And just based on our interests and the evolving Instagram and learning more about wine, it developed into a brand from there. Okay. And so, um, it's, at first we didn't really know what it was. Like, yeah. it's just this thing we're really passionate about. Yeah. Um, and now it's grown and we have a line of merchandise. We have a wine we collaborate with. Which we, I'm currently drinking. Which are currently um, called Summer Water that we make. Um, it's delicious. Out of California. Thank you. With Wink um, Winery. And... It's it's all very unexpected. It yeah. wasn't something that I had planned out, but so you kind of find your thing and go with it. That's kind of really amazing. So you were drinking rosé, you discovered it. <laughs> yes. With your best friend, yes. made an Instagram account sort of as a whatever, and here we are two sort of successful businesswomen on the up and up. 
That's what it feels like. That's amazing. And how did you discover rosé? I can't pinpoint one bottle of rosé or one time. It was just collective over uh, summers yeah. um, in New York or going to Montauk yeah. and just and what we drank. Got it. Um, it's just what you did. It was just what we did. But now... I don't think I ever really enjoyed... I never really got into wine before. I, got it. I knew some about craft beer. I, didn't, I never had a signature drink that I always went to. Your go-to and drink. And then I felt like when I ha- found rosé, I was like, bam. Yeah. This is what I'm always going to order. <laughs> Problem solved. Your forever drink. I never have to worry about what I'm going to answer to that question. Because that's it. You always want a rosé. Well, yeah. Now, <laughs> now my palate has evolved and sure. I, I know what other things I want to drink, but that is my go-to. Got it. Which is fair. And mine too. And I think it's kind of funny because being gay, everyone's like, oh my god, rosé is a new drink of the gay. Like, oh, you're a rosé drinker. Well, then we're all gay. Exactly. You know? <laughs> Cheers to that. Um, but what was so interesting is I started drinking rosé after I lived in the south of France. I was in the south of France for six months, and there was a rosé festival happening, and that's where I discovered rosé in, like, 2008 or 2009. And no one here, it felt like, was drinking it. Well, they drink it there like water. Yes. And it's not this precious thing. There's No, no, it's cheap. um, Like, men don't feel weird drinking it. No. Men men are always drinking it. Yeah. Very inexpensive. And that's well, how we our first joke, which is now the name of our wine, is summer water, uh-huh. um, which was what we called it. And I feel like in Provence, that is yep. really what it's like, summer water. It was everywhere. And I was like, at first, also like, I don't want to drink pink wine. Yeah. Because it reminded me of, and I'm sure you get this question from people who don't know anything about wine, like white Zinfandel is pink. But what's the difference? Uh, white Zinfandel, it's, it's not made... At all. And that was, you know, this really sugary, yeah. sweet wine. Usually comes in a box. <laughs> box that your that your you know grandmother may have or your mother may have had to, you know, had to drink. Um, and when rose is made, it's made with um, grapes that come from red wine. Okay. And um, there's very little skin contact and that's how it comes out pink. So Got it's it. very young wine. Got it. Um Usually, you're drinking the vintage from the year before. So okay. right now, this summer, you'll be drinking 2015 rosés. Next year, 2016 rosés. Got it. So it's not something you're like, oh, this 1989 rosé. Yeah, I mean, you, you probably wouldn't want to... I mean, some rosés, sure. I have our wine last year. I'll always save a bottle yeah. of and hopefully open in 20 years from now. Sure. But I probably won't finish it. Got it. I don't know. You it's know? meant to be drunk in a it, short period of time. It's meant to be After young and enjoyed and free-flowing. And what we really found and what drives the brand is the the aspects, the qualities of rosé are what inspires the qualities of our brand. So, okay. you know, it's... It's meant to be young, young and fun. crisp. It's dry. You know, our humor is, yeah. you know, we have a dry humor. Your humor's dry. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, um, I mean, it's beautiful and pink, and our whole look is pink washed and rosé, yeah. and just joyful and fun. And so that's really a, um, an incredible you know, thing to look to, yeah. you know? Because sometimes you're working really hard. Yeah. It's like, oh, why am I doing this? And you're like, oh, let me channel my rosé vibes. Exactly. And then I get to this very happy place, yeah. and it makes 
it, ma- it all makes it worth it. It makes so much sense. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, you get to drink this beautiful beverage. Yeah. And it makes you feel like you're in the south of France, even if you're even on a rooftop you're here. or, you know... Sitting on a couch. Sitting on a couch. <laughs> Recording a podcast. Exactly. <laughs> no, I am obsessed with rosé. It's definitely my drink of choice always. But maybe you're the right person to ask, is there a season? I mean, I'll drink it year-round, but definitely there's like a little bit of judgment. I was out the other night and someone was like, um, it's not rosé season yet. We don't have it. And I was like, A, you're rude. <laughs> and B, I always want rosé. <laughs> we definitely support drinking rosé year-round. Yeah. I think that... Yeah, I mean, I think because you drink a lot of it, maybe it get, there gets to a point with with rosé drinkers that they want to drink something else in the sure. winter because they just get a little rosé'd out. you got to, sure. you know, gear up for summer. And yeah. it really is it something to enjoy when you're outside and it's sunny. But I love, I drink, well, pink bubbles, pink champagne, yeah. or all year round, you know. Sparkling rosé is the best. If I'm going to drink sparkling wine, I, I am so happy for it to be pink. Sure. And Do you um, have a favorite brand of sparkling rosé? Oh, sp- sparkling rosé. What is my favorite? I know Moet does a really lovely one. They do. Um, we went to Franciacorta in Italy, which is sort of the equivalent of champagne in, in Italy. In Ital- yeah. Okay. In Italy, so it's a uh, sparkling wine, but it's it's the name of the region and the style of wine. Sure. So that was an incredible trip, and we tasted all of these um, sparkling rosés from there, which were amazing. And I have to think about the winery that I was Bella Vista. Okay. The bottle's incredible. The vineyard's incredible. Um, we had um, aperol spritzes made oh. with. That's my second their, favorite drink. Yeah, with uh, their bubbles, and it was one of the best cocktails I've ever had. Why did you come home? <laughs> <laughs> uh, eating and drinking in uh, Italy every day. Yeah, is, um, that'll do it to you. Well, when I lived in Europe, I lost weight, and I ate like pain chocolat every day, had cappuccinos to start the day and middle of the day. And I lost weight. It's such a weird... I don't think we were there for long enough to let the weight loss <laughs> kick in. <laughs> okay, well, maybe that's it. You just need to stay a little no, bit longer. No, I think whenever we go on wine trips, it's so... It's kind of quick. Yeah, it's business. And it's business, and, you know, you're just consuming a lot. Yeah. And it's so fun. Yeah. But, and you're like, wow, this is my life. This is... <laughs> this is terrible. This is just horrible. <laughs> but then you can't unbutton your pants, and... And then it's like, a different hard, problem. Yeah. But then you come back and figure it out. Of course. So rosé comes from all over the world. I'm most familiar with the south of France. Your new bottle is from Grapes Grown in California. Santa Barbara County. Okay, so tell me, are there like the top three or four places great rosé is grown, or can it be grown anywhere? I am pretty sure it can be grown anywhere. Um, It is, well, Provence is the mecca, so south of France. Yeah. We've ha- I've had a lot of good Austrian rosés. Huh. I've had um, good rosé from Argentina, Long Island. There's you know Wolfer Estate makes an incredible yeah. rosé. Um, California, the Willamette Valley. Okay. Um, yeah, all over. Where else have we had? Yeah, I've had uh, tasted wine from New Zealand, Australia. Sure, rosé so really, from all so over. Had, we've tried it. That was something that we learned, was probably the biggest lesson we learned, is, oh, wine doesn't only come from this one place. Sure. Rosé doesn't only come from this, this one place. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's 
um, there's so many different rosés to try. Yeah. And that's when we started the Instagram, we were like, we need to add different elements to this. It can't just be glasses French rosé. We yeah. want to <laughs> introduce people to what we're what we like, what we're enjoying, where we're yeah. enjoying it. And that's when we really started getting into um, developing a palette and mm-hmm. tasting a lot of different wines and getting to know the industry ins yeah. and outs more. And in talking about rosé, I know that I also fell in love with a rosé out in um, the wineries in the North Fork. Um, one woman winery, one one woman winery, or one girl. No, that's one girl cookie. One woman winery or something. One woman I don't know vineyard. It. Her rosé was so amazing. It's the cutest little vineyard. Um, but I was wondering, is there a correlation between the color of rosé and the sweetness? Is that a myth or is that real? I think that's a myth. I think that some are intentionally deeper. Okay. Um, and they are fuller bodied. I know that Greek rosés are all darker. Okay. They don't taste sweet to me. Interesting. Um, so there's so that not might a be the grapes. I don't know necessarily what the grapes are. Yeah. Um, but... There doesn't necessarily have to be a correlation, but I and I've had, you know, the kind of beautiful salmon hued uh-huh. roses that you you look for for color and have them be super you know, sweet, semi yeah semi sweet. Okay. So it's more than just the color that you have to be looking at. Okay. Um. So definitely, like what, what grapes are there, and you really just have to taste and see if you like it. Yeah. This Sometimes one is there's really a good. sweet rose that people like you know they'll be like yeah. you like sometimes nikki and i will differ you know if she'll be like have a sweet tooth and there'll and be a little be sweeter rosé and sweet. she'll really like it and i'm like no yeah way i want it dry <laughs> but, but i think in a different time i'm can get down with a little bit of sweetness too but sure. we, our passion is for very dry um crisp light hued rosé rosé all pink day. water Pink water. I mean, I think that that's absolutely right, because it's so easy to drink, Mm -hmm. which is great, but also a little bit dangerous. Yeah. I just celebrated my birthday um, a couple of nights ago. Thank (laughs) you, NBD, just getting older. (laughs) And all I drank was rosé. And the next morning, like, I didn't realize what it could do to you, but definitely I I drank so much more than had I been drinking something else. But you couldn't possibly drink that much anything else. True. So it's like you, you humanly can't. I mean, there's something. It's you don't want to be with that. Yeah. With, without it, yeah. I get. I. It's just so fun to be. Yeah. Swirling a glass of rosé. Of course, ice cold, um, right? Or do you? I like a very chilled. Okay. Not necessarily in the summer. Yeah. Sure. We freeze. Uh, the we make rosé ice cubes and then. Um, put rosé on top, the same rosé on top of it, so it, like, Wait, melts into rewind. one. hold on. Oh, yeah. You make rosé ice cubes yes. out of your rosé. Out of our rosé, or other rosés that aren't and, super like, blend expensive. It? No, we just put them in an ice cube tray. Yeah. Freeze them. It's, sometimes they're a little bit slushy, but it okay. makes the shape of an ice cube. And then we either put, um, you know, some sparkling water on it, make yep. a reverse spritz sure or 
just pour the More same rosé rose on top it. of it, and then it is oh an, an, an ice cube. It's like those coffee drinks. Yeah, it's brilliant. So th- that was one of <laughs> our first summer really getting into rosé. We did that in Montauk, and it was yeah. mind-blowing. Of course. And then last summer, we posted a picture of like a beautiful rosé ice cube experience that... I mean, I don't know if it's technically viral, if it's only on Instagram, but it sure. got a lot of love. Yeah, because... Y- People were freaking out. We probably had, like, yeah. a thousand comments or just something. Just on that. Just on that. Well, I mean, my reaction alone, like, <laughs> I love ice cubes. I'm the guy that, like, in a white wine, if it comes out and it's not cold enough, I have no shame. I will put ice cubes in it. But it's, this is next level. It's really next level. It's <laughs> rosé, good to do. It's good to do with... Get, get the rosés that come in a box. Uh-huh. Like, Vrock... Or because you're getting more bang for your buck. Yeah, because there's no bottle cost. Yes, yeah, so no bottle costs. Um, and so it's usually four four bottles per in, box. A, in a box is usually what you're getting. So you can just push the magical button, yep. fill up your your glass ice, your, of ice your, cubes. Your, your, your ice cube tray. <laughs> this summer I want to experiment with those giant ice cubes. Oh, the one big one. Yeah. Like you would do for like a whiskey or <laughs> yeah, something. For- oh my gosh. <laughs> I think that I will be at next wait. level. This, you know, would be amazing, like a rosé snow cone. Oh, we. Uh, I mean, I've I've seen that happen. People, yeah. people like know what's up and know all the things that they can do with yeah. rosé and how beautiful it is. Yeah, and just making sure the taste is there. Of That's course. why I like putting pouring the more rosé on my cubes because. It's like, I don't want it to get too watered down. Yeah, and it won't, because it's rosé on rosé. Yeah. Well, if you're ever doing R&D, I'm always available okay. <laughs> for rosé R&D tasting. Um, talking about events in summer, uh, wedding season is upon us. Yes. We met at your sister's wedding. I find more and more people are thinking about a rosé option at a wedding, where previously it was a red and a white and a sparkling, mm-hmm. and that was it. So what is your advice to having rosé at a wedding? Well, my sister had rosé at her wedding, and that was probably because I said I wouldn't come if she did. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> I was that. like, I'm, I'm going to need a budget yeah. for the rosé experience. <laughs> and everyone drank the rosé, and it was the f- first and only wine that everyone finished. And it was so beautiful, the pictures of everyone raising a glass yep. during our toasts. Um, it really changed the experience. I We thought about getting boxes because it would be more wine sure. but then we ended up with bottles because it was so beautiful yeah. in the pictures and it just having it around yeah. and I think that a, I highly recommend pink go pink bubbles and pink wine yeah. and make it a pink on pink experience yeah um, it's real. I think people will really like it I mean that would be so cool if I if I when our, all of our, my friends actually subsequently um, have served rosé at their weddings. I think it's the right thing to do. I mean, for me, it's a no-brainer, and I'll definitely, like, encourage people. Mm-hmm. I know here at the Brooklyn Winery, they have two really great rosé options. I'm going there after Oh, this. perfect. You should come. I will come. <laughs> <laughs> um, their rosés are amazing, and we'll do weddings there, and it's sort of just an obvious, like, of course we have rosé. It's... I think it's... I highly recommend it. People, okay. your guests will really appreciate it it's something fun is it something you think just our generation is doing is rose a millennial thing is it an under 40 thing or 
our parents appreciating it, our older people. No offense if you're old, whatever old means. I mean, my par- my mom and Nikki's parents are definitely enjoying it, but I think that's, sure, because, but that's because and, of you. and I think that and 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 but sometimes like I'll make rosé suggestions for my mom to give. I mean, I made ro- a list of rosé suggestions for her doctor okay. and our rabbi growing up. Got like it. everyone wants to know and yeah. I think they've heard about it. Yep. Um, but they just don't it's not instinctual while sure. our our generation it's very much what uh, it's we're part drinking. of the now. Yeah. yeah. It's for them it's definitely like red or white, likely like a Merlot and a Chardonnay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which today like, is like that's not... what that's just what we do. <laughs> yeah. But for the same amount of money you can serve you know, at a wedding yeah. or a party at your home. Rosé. Yeah. We had it, Julie actually had another event, my sister, in Baltimore, where we're from, um, and we had rosé there too, and yeah. everyone loved it. It's the right thing to do, and if your venue doesn't offer rosé as an option because they just don't, or the caterer doesn't, you can always buy your own cases of rosé, mm-hmm. um, one, two, three, or four cases, and bring them, and I'm sure they'll make an exception. Because you gotta have it, especially in the warmer months. It's a definite do. Yeah, perfect. It's an I do. So, speaking of I do, <laughs> we were gabbing a little bit on the way up the stairs, and you were telling me that you're getting a little bit wedding obsessed. Well, I think, I, would, I have a lot of friends who make jewelry. Yeah. And and I um, am not remotely close in any way, shape, or form to be getting proposed to. Okay. But so there I, isn't a I someone want... special. I mean, oh, no, okay. not really. <laughs> but there's. But I love rings, yeah. and I go shopping with. I'm like always the go-to for my friends who are getting engaged, uh-huh. and I screen grab all the rings. I don't want to forget these rings. Yeah. You know. Like, I want to have a lineup of five and be like, yeah. what's the best one? These are my top and five. And I just see them. I'm supporting my friends. And then I'm also, you know, it's sort of my Pinterest board. Of course. Although of screen I grabs. Am, <laughs> of screen grabs, because that would be very embarrassing to have a Pinterest board. Yes. But I am... Um, um, have been invited to a many Pinterest board for what for of course for rings. It's what all the kids are doing these days. I'm just waiting to get called by you know some boys who need to propose to their girlfriends. Yeah, because you've got it lined yeah. up. Yeah. So what kind <laughs> of ring do you love? Confusing them. Do you want a diamond or a precious gem? Oh, diamond. <laughs> yeah, I'm just asking. I don't know if you like took no, the rosé obsession. No, maybe there could be like a, a little a little pink bit in there somewhere. Okay. But no, I think. Maybe, probably not. Got it. I think diamonds look gorgeous with uh, pink shades. I do imagine a very, very light pink wedding dress. So, like, almost white, uh-huh. but, like... It, like blush? It, yeah, blush, but, like, so light. Got it. You know? It's like a rosé-inspired. Yeah. Would with, your wedding be rosé-inspired? Yeah, I don't think uh, inspired, but I... Since we're talking about it, <laughs> there would definitely be a lot of rosé, like a full-on tasting. Yeah, um, and a, I probably pink flower in the in the floral scheme. Yeah, I mean, there's so many beautiful. You know, I love all white, you know, yeah. flowers, but. I do uh, definitely have visions of a glorious pink bouquet. Good. Like whenever I look at Britney's uh, Birch from uh-huh, from, from Birch, Birch um, whenever I see her, I stalk her Instagram because she's so talented. It's amazing. And, like she does such incredible 
pink work. Yeah. And I'm like, oh God, I need to jump on this. So you have a florist. You have a ring. I need to start dating more. You have a wine. If you're listening and you're out there... you she's like beautiful diamonds. she's dirty blonde <laughs> blue eyes loves rosé she's a catch <laughs> um so let's talk about yes way rosé so you have your wine yes. that is where can people buy that so it's gonna be available may 1st on um club w's website okay and that will ship almost everywhere i think there are a couple states it doesn't ship to in the u.s then um, it's available now in Southern California and Whole Foods okay. and some other um, restaurants, okay. bars, wine stores. And April 1st, starting to roll out in New York. Oh my and God, will definitely exciting. be a Dandelion Wine in Greenpoint. Okay. Um, and all of that is just distribution stuff is still being worked out. Sure. But... Um, available soon. Available soon. That's exciting. We're drinking it now. It's, and it's ready. So it's done. Good. It's really good. I'll take a case. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I see your new beautiful toads. Yes. They are so lovely. They're that salmon-colored rosé, and they say Yes Way Rosé on them. Yeah, so we'd make, um, well, we have our signature tote bag, yeah. and then we worked with a friend who uh, does natural dyeing mm-hmm. to dye it her signature shade of she makes this pink dye, and so she did. Uh, I think you can make it darker or lighter. Yeah, I haven't experimented with it yet. Yeah, she's the art artiste, <laughs> um, and I. She dyed us some bags, and then they printed it a different shade of the pink. Yeah, so it's just a really beautiful special pieces. Yeah, it's just a, it's a tote bag, but a special one. It's a one. beautiful tote bag. It's a beautiful tote bag. It's, I just got them an hour ago. They're she came perfect, over. and we'll put a picture up mm-hmm. on the website, jovemyerevents.com slash podcast, and these can be bought on your website. Oh, we haven't, um, we haven't even figured that out yet. Oh my we gosh. We might put them in a retail, <laughs> we might, we might try, try to find a retail partner because they're all okay. different. Yeah. So if they're all lined up with each other, you could pick up which one you Which one you, you want. like most, because they're hand-dyed. Because they're hand-dyed. So none and of hand the patterns. Pr- and printed, so yeah. they're all, some of them are very similar, but they're not exactly the same. I love um, that. So I will keep you posted on okay. where those can be purchased. But Were our you... regular tote bags can be purchased on our website. And they're great, and great gifts. Great, we, we uh, a lot of people buy them for their wedding parties, yep. or... For a lot Rose of destination lovers. wedding people, we get emails from them that they want to buy them for everyone. I love that. Yeah. Well, you know, I love totes. Yeah, you we love bonded a tote. over totes. I love a tote. <laughs> tote getting married <laughs> is what we have going on. Um, I feel like totes. Who doesn't love a tote? You show up to the picnic or the park with a yes way rose tote with some rose in it. It's a great. You're happy. Yeah. I mean, I'm always carrying them because I have, you know. That's my signature tote bag. Yeah. But you need a good you need a good tote. Yeah. And if you guys not one you not a throwaway one because no. or a shopping one. No. You need a good one. You need a good tote. And this is a good one. And now it's in this color and then the other one's a natural canvas. Yes. And if you're not yet rose obsessed, you should definitely follow Yesway Rose on Instagram. It's just at Yesway Rose. Yes. But no accent. No accent. We couldn't put the accent on when we started, and I don't think we can still. I don't think so. Not on in your names, actual handle. On our handle, which is fine because a lot of people don't know how to do that. Yeah. And so I would we would You'd have lose to have, people. We would we wouldn't have a biggest a bigger <laughs> following if yeah, we if we did. People had to pick which way the accent yeah, went. Someone is always with the wrong accent. Yeah. And 
and with a no accent, and it's yeah. fine. It's totally fine. You're unless, le- everyone's learning. Unless you're flirting. I remember I was on Tinder or something talking to someone, and I was like, great, I'll bring some rosé, but I didn't put the accent because whatever. Yeah. And he's like, you're going to bring me a rose? <laughs> and it was like, got really awkward. And I was like, no, rosé. Like, yeah. it was so weird. But yeah. anyways, at Don't Yes Way that Rosé. Yeah. That's a deal breaker. <laughs> On Tinder, no yeah. Way, I'm Jose. like, rosé. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that the next tote? <laughs> yes Way, Jove. Yeah. I would die. Maybe like for my next birthday. Yeah. yeah. It's like something special. Custom. I think that would be perfect. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been so much fun. Thank you Thank so Thank you much. so much for having time. me. I enjoyed sipping your rosé, talking about rosé, <laughs> and tis the season. Yes. So go out. Yeah. Drink Rosé, follow them on Instagram for inspiration, and I'll see you soon. Yes. All right, bye. Weddings-ish. The music in this podcast was made by the fabulous Mel Flannery of Mixtape, a cover band for hipsters. Thanks, Mel. Love the jingle. Weddings-ish. Weddings-ish.